I think there's like I definitely appreciate that people like my work, and I definitely appreciate a certain level of stuff. But I don't believe like someone would be like allowed to like drag me around a town for four hours mm-hmm. meeting people. Like I don't know. I don't know where like the mm-hmm. the line would be. So I definitely know know people who I see get overwhelmed by a level of sort of unusual intrusiveness that nobody would normally do except for they weirdly think is appropriate, I guess, if you're... That they're entitled. Yeah, because they're like, well, I, I think there's this idea of, like, I gave you your career or something. I don't yeah. really know. Yeah. It, it might be. I mean, again, this is not yeah. that common. Yeah. But I've certainly seen it where I think, like, oh, like, thank God that isn't me. Like, that seems completely overwhelming. Welcome to 15 Minutes, a podcast about fame, episode 15. I'm Jamie Berger. At this mini milestone, I'd like to send out huge thanks to my guests so far for their trust and earnest, eager participation. They are John Hodgman, Case Hudson, Mark Berger, Annie Duke, Tim Lockfeld, Lois Parkinson, Monty Belmonte, Hardy White, Matthew Latkowitz, Soren Mason Temple, Dave Rothstein, Daniel Oppenheimer, Andy Zeisler, Penny Lane, and Sarah Jaffe. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You get the idea. Thank you. Also, and of course, thanks so much to all of you for joining us on this little exploration of ours. To Christian Kundari for our theme music. And special thanks to Ed Patnode for always making me sound as pretty as is humanly achievable. You may know Eugene Merman from his comedy albums, or Comedy Central specials, from his roles on many series such as Flight of the Concords, Delocated, and most recently as the voice of Gene on Bob's Burgers. You may even know him as Benny Foy, the bad guy in the 1999 Firestarter episode of Third Watch. I don't know him from that, just looked it up, but I look forward to trying to find it. Or... As I said back in episode one about Mr. Hodgman, you may not know him at all. If that's the case, I hope you'll enjoy getting to know him via this conversation. And the couple of segments thrown in from his monumental nine-volume latest release, yes, nine-volume latest release on Sub Pop Records, entitled, I'm Sorry, You're Welcome. Those of you who know me know that my Sub Pop hoodie, which I stole from Eugene, is one of my prized possessions. Not only because great artists like him and Death Vessel and so many more have been on that label, but because Sub Pop has been rocking my world for real since way back when I used to eagerly await the arrival at Sounds Records on St. Mark's Place of the next sub-pop cassette compilation way back in the mid-80s. So it's a huge honor to be able to thank Sub-Pop for permission to use a couple of Eugene's tracks. Go shop for Eugene's albums and so many more beautiful noises on Sub-Pop's Megamart at megamart.subpop.com. 
Once again, that's megamart.subpop.com. Eugene and I spoke late at night while I was recovering from a cold, and he was getting used to fathering a two-week-old back in early September at his home in an undisclosed location in eastern Massachusetts. Hi. Hello. It's funny, when I record these things on the phone, it makes sense to say hello, but in person, it never makes sense. It's a good start. So, this whole fame thing, yeah, it's an awkward topic. It's like mm-hmm. money and God, and that's why I kind of want to talk about it. Monty, who you talk to on the radio from time to time, yep. made a good point that he said, you know who does talk about it? People who have experience of it with each other. Mm-hmm. Because when you're talking to people who aren't you know, in the world of fame, it's awkward. Because you don't want to, it's like, if you're a great right. person, you don't want to hold it over someone's head and you don't want to underplay it and you don't want it, it, to, it's an awkward thing. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about this the other day in terms of you, because you seem, in, in the years I've known you, as comfortable and as welcoming with this weird status as anyone I've come across in my life. And you and John Hodgman are both very comfortable with it, but on very different <laughs> ends. In that he is, you know, was openly like, "I love attention, right?" And I want this. And why wouldn't you want people to come up to you and say you're great, right? right. Whereas you just seem to be like, "Okay, this is part of what I do." Well, also, it's like it's totally nice to have people come up to you and compliment you. It's just like, can you be at a thing and? Does 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 someone end up like monopolizing you in a way that's like weird, um, where like you're with a friend and then someone just starts talking to you? In any other situation, that would be fine. And then after like a minute or two, you'd go like, "Okay, well, I'm gonna get back to the thing I yeah, was doing." Yeah. And then in some instances, it's like weird and you can't. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm. I mean, I'm also like, you know, I'm moderately. Famous, and so then as a result, most of my experiences are largely positive. Like it's people saying nice things mm-hmm. to me and then being like, all right, I'll mm-hmm. see you later. Like, I mean, people literally right. coming up and being like, just so you know, I really like you. <coughs> Goodbye. Yeah. And that is totally yeah. pleasant. I was talking to Hardy White, but he said whenever he runs into someone, like he ran into Mel Brooks at Calder Raceway in Florida, mm-hmm. and he was with friends, and he was in awe, and he was a big fan. But then he thought to himself, what business do I have with the man? If I have something specific to say to him, great. But if not, going up and saying, you're great, is as far as I should go. And then he also said, maybe I shouldn't even say, you're great. But then maybe this it's really important to this person to have strangers come up to them and say they're great. And if they don't, then so he creates this, this complicated. Right. And when you see someone that you know and respect in a public for their public persona yeah complicated shit happens in your brain yeah and I guess the the easy fun question I wanted to start with uh, before I immediately didn't do that was I was trying to think of a like a hypothetical situation so 
in terms of your existence right now, you're you're in a good space. You're in you got a show that's hundred episodes or more deep mm-hmm. and it's continuing. If you had to choose one or the other, if you could become more like Patton Oswald known mm-hmm. or more like Nancy Cartwright, Bart Simpson, unknown, mm-hmm. visually on the street, which would you choose? Um I guess more like Patton. Aha. Yeah. But 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 we're talking about degrees or we're talking, we're talking about, about like that's the thing, like it's sort of a weak question. We're like they're like as far as I'm concerned, you're going like, would you like to have two more pancakes or one less pancake? Well, and I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. I guess two more. Like <laughs> like 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 if your question was like, would you like people to uh, assume things about you and bother you all day long? No, but like, right? But he risks that. Well, well, you're saying spectrum. You, you, yeah. you made you it's, made it. They're sound. two opposite ends of fame spectrum. She's super famous and super invisible visually. Yeah, yeah. She can walk in anywhere. I don't know what yeah, yeah. she looks like. Yeah. Now, my thought is, I've always had issues with wanting more you know, to be able, you know, things that fame gets, right. but I would much rather be her than him. Well, I, I, I think it, I guess to me it's it's just sort of like what, like, I do stand-up, so there's like a certain amount right. of... Right. Th- there's, just, there's In general, there's a certain amount of convenience that comes with fame, and mm-hmm. then at some point it probably shifts. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I don't know. Like, I'd say like vaguely a little more would be fine. Mm-hmm. You know, too much more probably would be un- unhelpful. Like, at some point it, it would be unhelpful. Right. Like, I'm not, like, I moved to a small town. Like, I don't, I'm not, I'm trying to pursue an enjoyable life. Yes. M- m- largely. And you're in a good spot. Like, tonight we went out, and it didn't seem like anyone... Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. There was a New Yorker profile of the president mm-hmm. about a year and a half ago, and one of the things he said he's, he's, he's sad about is that... When it's all over, he'll never be able to walk into a diner and order a piece of pie and just say hi and yeah. chat with people. Yeah, and it's like tough luck. You know, you're, that's, yeah, yeah. that's life. You're the leader of the free world. But, but also, it, but, that's a kind of weird thing to probably never be able to do. Yeah, I would never. I would never. It, like I would give up a lot in a record store. Right, I would give up a lot of fame to be able to have that anonymity yeah, when yeah. I wanted it. I guess and I have some very good news. I am nowhere near as famous right. as the president. No, or. Or Pat Oswald on a, on a yeah, visual yeah. <clears throat> basis, and I guess I guess the easier question is: Would you rather stay exactly the way you are, or have you know? Patton also makes more money and has more. You know, I mean, he, I mean I, I'm not trying to. I don't know what money no, no, you I guys understand. make, but he's a bigger star. Uh, yeah, I mean, would you? What does one want once one? It's like you get to, to do the work you like. Yeah, with the people you like. I yes, I'm sure that it would be fine to be between twenty and fifty percent more famous. <laughs> and I think at the at like above, <coughs> above that, it would be more of like it would affect your everyday life more. Like you know, no one bothers largely anyone in like my family or like my right. wife or like you know, I don't know. Like right. I don't really know the. I know lots of people. More famous who largely, I think, are fine or enjoy it or, you know, but it's not overwhelming. <coughs> but then other people... Yeah, I do you know anyone who isn't fine? Who struggles I mean, with No, I don't even naming. think it's struggle. I think it's just more like people make up stories or they, or like, it's a thing that you went and bought crayons or right. you came into the store. Like, your right. every activity, 
you your opinions like right. people will report on if you say you like think mozzarella is bad like at some point right. like that that seems to me that seems very overwhelming right. if people were like like if that I mean there's literally news stories that are just like this person said that chocolate's okay and you're like oh all right mm -hmm. well I guess that's all right well I mm -hmm. I hope they're not that they're okay when you started high school and then at Hampshire yeah. what were your dreams and imagination of success I mean I think that it was always some version of living in a studio apartment <laughs> to a one-bedroom apartment yeah. and and making money from comedy yeah that was always like it was very uh, it, it was very sort of like earthbound mm -hmm. like like it was like well I think that if I could do this mm -hmm. you know and 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 that's sort of true and that is the case with a lot of what I did I think at some point it's like oh I don't I don't, like, I think I can handle, like, or I could handle about 10 years of, like, sleeping on a futon on the ground or whatever it was. And then at some point you're like, okay, yeah. well, I would, I would like a, like a bed frame. Yeah. Well, was there a specific moment when you realized, okay, those were very modest ambitions. I have achieved them. What's... Well, I think there's, like, what do I view as sort of, like, succeeding, which was yeah. basically functioning from being a comedian, like, yeah. meaning having a functionable life from being yeah. a comedian. Um, uh, you know, my goals were always sort of to work on things that I enjoyed and with people I enjoyed. Yeah. Um, and that is largely what I've done. You know, I... I definitely like occasionally audition for things or try to do stuff, but mostly I work on projects with friends that I like and or my own projects or whatever it is, you know? Yeah. So I don't know that I had any kind of overall goal. I think I just wanted to do some stuff in comedy, mm -hmm. you know, and that might've been writing for a TV show or it might've been doing stand up <laughs> or voiceover or, you know, uh, hosts of things. And it, I mean, and so much of what people do now, you know, like podcasts or whatever it is, the, me, the mediums half existed and half didn't, didn't at the time mm -hmm. that I began. So when I, I mean, when I was maybe, I don't know, like 13 or 14, I think I was like, I want to be a, a film director because that's sort of what I, the, like the job I understood in entertainment. Mm -hmm. And I remember some older like kid visiting or something like, I think he was goth sort of asking like, well, who's your favorite director? And I don't know, I was 13, I was like, Steven Spielberg. Like, I don't think I, I don't know if I knew of, like, significantly Good another choice. director. And then he was like, oh, that's very, like, mainstream or something. I was like, I don't know, I'm 13, like, I don't know, I just want to do, yeah. I just want to, I think I was like, I want to work in the arts and I don't know how to phrase it, and I'm 13, and yeah. I'm foreign. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so there was a time, you came to Turner's, and you mm -hmm. visited. And we went out, we went to the, the bar, and my friend Marlene, I think it was her birthday, and at a friend of hers' house, they were having a party. Mm -hmm. And I was like, let's go to a party. And I thought it was going to be a big party. Like, you know, we could just show up and kind mm -hmm. of drift in and out. And we, we drove there, and it was a very small party. Mm -hmm. And we were in one room, and I happened to know, I didn't bring it up at the time, that she and friends were big fans of you and your, mm -hmm. your, your friends. Uh, sure. Uh, back to you know delocated, but mm -hmm. you fans of your work, 
And, and I think that much more for me than for you, I was uncomfortable. But I was uncomfortable for you thinking you right, might right. be uncomfortable. I felt awkward on your behest, but I don't think that you necessarily... No, I think it was fine. Because yeah. it was also like friends of yours. Like, yeah. It'd be one thing if I was alone or like I was in some town and there was a show and for some reason I went to something and then mm-hmm. I didn't know anybody. But like... At any place that I know people, mm-hmm. then it's largely fine. Yeah. Living or dead, do you do you think of a dream audience, a dream person you want to respect your work, whose whose judgment you want you want to to positive judgment from? Oh, I don't know. You know what's funny? I so years ago. I mean, probably at this point, ten, maybe more. Yeah. Um. I did a show in in Buffalo, New York. Like somebody, like a friend of a friend was like, we're doing shows and it was in a movie theater, like in a regular movie theater. Like then they have, Buffalo has some sort of like a week of like theater and arts. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it was this sort of like odd show in this movie theater with like a random audience who really wanted me to do it. And they like, flew me to Buffalo and, and that was like at the time <laughs> incredible like yeah. I think like I don't know if that was like one of the first times anyone was like would you get inside an airplane and come and do this thing and mm-hmm. we'll give you like I don't know like $700 like definitely more money than I made in probably like a week or like yeah. it was just something like okay yeah. this is uh, yeah this like I'll do this and and I remember thinking like I don't know it's like I might bomb like it might be weird like I don't yeah. know what, anything about this and all these people who were also, you know, I was probably, I guess I must have been in my very early 30s or late 20s, actually. Mm-hmm. And all these people who were in their, like, 50s or whatever it is, like, really, really loved it. Huh. And I just remember thinking, like, oh, I had these, like, notions of, like, who would, like, like my comedy or not. And, and it was just really sweet. And it was a wonderful experience and and I just remember thinking like oh like a like the audience I imagined isn't necessarily you know like it it can be whoever like yeah. like like whoever connects with it and and I know that's sort of a roundabout thing because I'm sure like because the other answer would be like I wish Mark Twain enjoyed me you I, know uh, like so that's like one version but actually and it's funny, and I was saying this actually recently to somebody, and they're like, but I'm like 42 now, so the idea that somebody eight years older than me like likes right. my joke that's about my life is like, right. yeah, that makes way more right. sense than a 22-year-old being like <laughs> laughing at my favorite band reference or something. Yeah. Um, but at the time, I thought it was, I, I really like a- appreciated being like in my probably like late 20s and having people much older like really, really mm-hmm. relate to what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And then Mark Twain. And Mark Twain, yeah, sure. Yeah, humorous guy. Um, so on the opposite end of the spectrum, I mean, we've all died doing performance, at least any of us who ever performed. Yeah. Are there particularly brutal criticism or live response or online or a person who you respected who was critical? Or anything that, or that taught you something or just bummed you out? Um, <clears throat> I thought you might struggle to find that. It's not even that. It's like it's not like I did a show and like, oh yeah, there was the time I did stand up and Roger Daltrey was very angry. You know what I mean? Like I don't have like a, yeah. a story like that. Yeah. I think 
you know... Um, yeah, I don't necessarily mean a, an important person, no, no, no. quote-unquote. But just a, I mean, in terms of... I mean, things have changed so much where, like... You, I used to get emails where people would be like... Like, the second time I did Conan, I, I, I bombed moderately. Uh, like, it wasn't great. And an owl flew... The guy before me was a animal expert person. <laughs> and so an owl flew into the audience and, and unnerved people. But then I added to it by just doing a sort of... Uh, like not particularly confident sort of mediocre-ish set mm-hmm. and I remember like somebody emailing me I, like I think you could just go to my website and my mm-hmm. email address was there and they were like how'd you get on television like it was like somebody who was I think a comic in Florida and he was like I, like our friend like <coughs> we always wonder how people get on television you were terrible and, I, and then I was like I was terrible. It, I did a terrible job. Did you job. respond and say that? Yeah, yeah. I emailed. Yeah. I was like, yeah, it was very bad. I did a very bad job. And I think they were taken aback by me re- replying and then taken quite aback by me agreeing with them. Yeah, and, I'm sure. It must have made and them And then I like, was oh. like, yeah, I mean, I wanted to do well. I would like to do better. And then I did. Like, then the next times I went on, I did better. And, you know, but you can... You know, people ask often, like, do you get nervous when you get on stage? And the truth is, you can basically always fail. Mm-hmm. And so there's, like, a certain amount to which you hope that you've gotten better. You hope that when you step on stage, you, you know, have what it is to, like, make people laugh and have it work. But there's something about the fact that you can always fail that yeah. never goes away. Um, and I think that's actually good like I think like that feeling keeps you trying and, and, and wanting to yeah. do better and trying to avoid it I, I don't mean avoiding like risk or like not taking a chance and something going wrong but but I think like that's a thing you can always fail yeah if anything know? I think that makes you more you seem very comfortable with risk because you can fail and you have to fail yeah to learn and you, yeah I mean I think that comedy is a bit of science and so you do trial and error. You try things in different ways. You have different versions of different stuff, and then yeah. whatever works best, you use. And then the truth is, you know what what works kind of works. I had I did an interview. I just did the tour with Concords, and I did an interview with a radio station. They were like, "Do you change things for?" They said, "Do you change things when you do like these big outdoor shows?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, when I do like big outdoor shows, I just do U two covers." But but it's also this notion that like I have two acts. I have like one right. act that really kills with three hundred right. people, right. and then I have the stuff I choose not to do that right. makes ten thousand people right. laugh. Because we make so because you make so much work. Yeah, so it's sort of like no, whatever makes three hundred people laugh makes five thousand people laugh, and then you know within reason, like uh, yeah. So that's that's vaguely an answer, maybe. Do you, I've never so, thought about this before. Do you have a preferred? Size? Yeah, house size. I Yeah, I would say sort of 500 to 1,500. Yeah, vaguely. that's as big like, as you can get and be intimate. Yeah, like, and yeah. there are a few thousand. I mean, with Concords, it's really fun, and like their shows are largely, say, in the four to 6,000 people range, and it actually feels like pretty intimate and good. But offhand, yeah, I would say around 1,000, yeah. plus or minus. You also seem like more. You seem comfortable with the success, but also with the. You told a story that resolved really well. I don't really exactly remember it to me once about someone from high school. 
Oh, I think it was somebody who had maybe been mean as a kid and reached out and yeah, wanted to yeah, meet like up. Bully. And he came to a show and was sort of sweet and apologized. And it was very... I mean, I think that he was going through AA and is in the stages. So he knew who he'd been. He, well, well, he was basically like in the stage where you apologize to people. Just the sort yeah. of uh, odd part from my end of it was... He was apologizing to someone that he was mean to in like sort of junior high or high school where I don't believe he had been drinking, but I actually have no idea. Like mm-hmm. I didn't ask yeah. specifically. So it was just sort of like I did I don't I don't know enough about AA to know when like you reach out to a poli- like like what the range is of apology and like what the time frame is. But whatever it was, like he felt like he wanted to meet up. And so he came to this show yeah. to apologize. But that really had nothing to do with fame as much as that you could reach out to people and ask if you could apologize. Yeah. I think at first he was he was moderately mysterious, so I didn't know what it was about. And so I had oh. so I so I had a fear. I think I wrote about it in my book, but I my fear was that he was like, Oh, like I wanted to like be oh, an maybe improv That's group. where I remembered yeah, yeah. from, from yes. the book. Uh but yeah, he was I'm you know What's funny is like he, I think he went to UMass, and I remember like running into him when I was in college, and seemed totally fine. Like it didn't, you know, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't a thing that like weighed on me, but I was sort of glad to help him feel better. Yeah. But it wasn't really nearly anything about fame as much as someone going through a thing, being like, "Can I tell you I'm sorry?" And I'm like, "Sure, you can." Yeah, if that'll cheer you up, that sounds good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had a, I, I had an experience like that on Facebook where someone wrote me from college. Oh, really? Apologizing for a comment they made to me in a bar in 1984. Yeah. And I wrote back and said, no problem. Yeah. And I'm just going to kind of hope they'd never hear this because not only did I not remember the comment, I didn't know who the person was writing me. Right. That they remembered... Well, I think that when you make a mistake, <laughs> yeah. it burns yeah. in you. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I think you remember that stuff, yeah. and you and yeah, I hope. Yeah, you know, every t- I think yeah. I hope that everyone who I've ever yeah. made a mistake towards doesn't mm-hmm. recall me. So Facebook is trying a thing, and this is we're basically Facebook is testing out a feature that charges users $100 to send direct messages to strangers on the social network. So they tried it with Mark Zuckerberg, where you could pay $100 and then your message would reach Mark Zuckerberg. Who here would do that? Who would pay $100 to reach Mark Zuckerberg? Who would pay $100 maybe to reach any celebrity that they like? So a little. Well, I agree with the minority who clapped a little like they were sick little babies. And I humbly disagree with the majority who did not clap. So there's two kinds of celebrities. You can't just pay $100 and reach anybody. Some celebrities on Facebook let you like them, and some let you like and message them. One that lets you like him but not message is uh, Harrison Ford. You can like him, but he doesn't want to hear, like, who do you think would win in a fight, Han Solo or Indiana Jones? (laughs) A person with a very similar policy to uh, Harrison Ford is uh, Mahmoud Ahmadinejad. You can like Mahmoud, but you can't be like, Mahmoud, I have some policy suggestions. And he'd be like, I'm not even in charge anymore. I was a puppet anyway. 
Mahmoud weirdly also has 40,899 likes. I would get it if Mahmoud had like 10 million likes or if he had like two likes and his parents were like, he's still our Mahmoud. There are other celebrities, though, that you can like and message. And this is one. Uh, Val Kilmer. You can like him and message him. And so I did. This is the message I sent Val. Hey, Val, I put my dick in peanut butter. Ha ha, great job in Top Gun. Bye-bye. P.S. Please send nude pics. I would absolutely pay $100 to know that Val Kilmer one morning opened his inbox and was like, ooh. But all right. Another person you can like and message, and this is awesome, is uh, John Boehner. You could, yeah. For $100, be like, yeah, John got my message. And here's the message I wrote John. Hey, John, my name is Eugene Merman, and I do the voice of Gene on Fox's Bob's Burgers. I imagine your job must be super hard and the people are blaming you for things when you're just trying to do the best you can. If you ever want to take LSD together, I can try to find some. It's probably not illegal to say, right? I only did it once 20 years ago after a Lou Reed concert, but I think it would be fun. Do you want to take a road trip together sometime? <laughs> if driving across the country with a stranger makes you nervous, I'm happy to go on horseback. <laughs> that way, if you feel uncomfortable, you can gallop away. No hard feelings. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Lastly, and I admittedly sent this before some of his recent troubles, uh, but you could like and message uh, Justin Bieber. I'm sure it reaches like his manager or somebody, not him. Uh, but uh, that is honestly good enough for me. And this is what I wrote Justin. Hey Justin, congrats on everything. I put a $1 bill in my butt and I'm not taking it out till you and I have an open and honest dialogue about religion. So worth $101. It'd be so awesome to see him one day and be like, oh, did you ever get my message? A lot of times when I do these, I talk to people about, or people bring up one of the things of fame besides you know, the ability to make a living has given them is access to other people, to people they admire, to mm -hmm. people that you can pitch stuff to, to, to people. Yes. You seem like, when I look at your career and your friends, that you've had kind of a group of people that, I don't know if you worked with different ones of, over the years, and you've, you've kind of stuck with this. There's, there's Lauren, and there's, there's John Benjamin, and there's uh, 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 John Glazier, and there's these people who you've, yeah, those, those communities are also all with. people that I admired from when I was you did. starting out. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that. So they were a level that you... Had... They, they all were writing for or had uh -huh. television shows uh -huh. when I was probably still in Boston. Are they a little older? Yeah, probably okay. eight, eight years or so. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I think of you all as peers. 
Yeah, yeah, and I, now, I mean, yeah. sure, as people yeah. who are younger than me and... Right, yeah, our peers with you, yeah. Our peers and, you know, who started after me but have yeah. television shows and yeah. movies. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that it all sort of gets evened out. Yeah. But the one thing that, as I'm saying this, does seem like that is, is um, Star Talk. Yeah. They, that, and, and the new podcast, I haven't heard anything about the... Hold on. Yes, is, is it... That's the name of the podcast. <laughs> Sorry, that was what like is almost. It? Uh, you, you last time I saw you, you were kind of telling me that it was about to happen. But. No, no, no. In, in in it, well, it's it's out on I think Audible, mm-hmm. and then will be available on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's a podcast where basically uh, me and a performer listen to a story they've told, and then I sort of pause and ask questions. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, yes, be, doing comedy or being in the arts and then getting more well known you get to work with people like that that you grew up admiring i mean my last comedy special bobcat goldthwaite directed yeah you know and he was somebody that i listened to a lot as a kid and when i first moved to boston and started doing comedy after college this comic tony v great guy was he was really at the good. show oh yeah, yeah yeah he was at the show at yeah. the boston show he yeah, seemed exactly. like a nice guy yeah. wonderful guy he so so I was started this like weekly show and he would come by sometimes and he was like you know one of Bobcat's best friends and was, so when Bobcat would come to Boston they he would do shows with him and and he you know remember him asking me like oh we're going to do morning radio do you want to come to like WFNX with me and Bobcat at mm-hmm. like 5 in the morning or whatever it was and I was like, yeah, that would be amazing. And they picked me up, and it was this incredible experience. And they were so sweet. So it's, like, really incredible that, like, 15 or, yeah, like, 15, 18 years later, mm-hmm. Bobcat directs my special. Yeah. And getting to know people who, yeah, I've long admired yeah. and thought were really funny. That is that is great. And also it's great that, like, because there's the, the whole, like, the idea of, like, don't meet your heroes. But actually, like... Wait, a I don't know of, this idea. You don't know the idea of don't meet your don't heroes? Don't meet your heroes? No. Well, Why that's should... what, well, that's that's what I would say. I would say, actually, like, for me, you know, everyone that I sort of grew up admiring, or even, like, almost parallel to, like, meaning where you wouldn't know that they started five yeah. or ten years before me. Yeah. Um, yeah, largely turned out to be actually, like, incredibly sweet and then great collaborators and really funny. Don't meet them because they'll be disappointed. Well, I think it's. I think when people say that, they mean like, uh, d- don't don't meet like. I think it's like don't meet Bob Dylan. Like meaning like if you're a bit like I know people who are like fans of Bob Dylan, right, who but, like who who have adjacent careers but happen to like. And I'm sure that if he knows likes right. you, like it's probably fine or whatever. Right. Like, but but I th- so when people say like don't meet your heroes, right. they mean more like because it'll disappoint. Yeah, because they'll yeah. be like, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Because, yeah. like, Bob yeah. Dylan will be like, yeah. hey, I'm Bob Dylan and I'm a little busy yeah. right now, but, like, nice to, yeah. like, thanks. I, yeah. I gotta go. I was already unnerved in the 60s. Yeah. Well, not just your comedy uh, colleagues, but you have a, a, a very special friend who is your, Robin Hitchcock, who yeah. is your, your, one of your icons. Yeah. Who I, now is your, your friend and, and you tour with. And yeah. So meet your freaking heroes. How did you guys meet? Um, through, through musician friends, um, and then at some point 
he made, there was like a documentary of like an album or something that he did for Sundance and they asked yeah. me to interview him and then I think <coughs> we had sort of met in New York largely yeah. through friends. I mean also like, I, you know, there's a, I don't particularly have expectations of any of the people yeah. that I'm meeting or like and yeah. you sort of like end up liking and getting along with whoever you do. Yeah. Though a lot of the people that I grew up liking have all largely turned out to be like really sweet yeah. and, and, and just wonderful and also yeah that's great that's like an incredibly satisfying element of of pursuing stuff of comedy or, or arts or whatever yeah where like a lot of people that I greatly enjoyed like I get to tour with or yeah. I know or yeah. do stuff I mean even like one of my first things was when I moved to New York I started uh I, I did a few shows with Stella and then toured opening for them with Michael Ian Black and David Wayne yeah. and and Michael Showalter and then Michael Showalter and I toured a ton and uh, you know I was in college when the state uh blew up and mm -hmm. that was it was incredible that that like 5 or 8 years after or whatever maybe 10 yeah. after like I was touring with them that was really an amazing thing and actually, like, so they were really helpful. David Cross, incredibly helpful. Like, uh, did shows with him, and then he brought me to London with 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 Kristen Shaw and Todd mm -hmm. Berry, and we did shows there. Patton Oswalt, like, with comedians of comedy. A lot of times, there's all these people who you love their work, and then they're like, I mean, also they're just incredibly helpful. And and mm -hmm. and, and the same thing, like, you know, there's comics that that I really like that, that, that I've, that you try to help as you meet them. And, you know, eventually everybody, like you're all sort of peers. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And how did you end up working with, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson and StarTalk? Um, the producer, I, I know that means a lot to you. You, you no, talk no, about it. As yeah, no, I adore deal. doing yeah. that show. Uh, Helen, who was a producer on that show, came to Union Hall years and years ago as StarTalk either was starting or had started, but it was in its first months, I think, mm -hmm. if even, and said that she was doing the show and wanted to know if I wanted to maybe do it. And I was like, yeah, I'd, you know, I'd be interested in meeting mm -hmm. Neil and doing it. And, and then I think like months, like six months later or some amount of time later, she reached out and was like, would you like to come to the planetarium and mm -hmm. meet Neil? And I thought like we would meet and it'd be like this 20... 30 minutes I don't know just mm -hmm. like a meeting and it was like two and a half hours wow. of talking about stuff and then you know after like two hours or something they were like alright well let's just do like do a test episode and I was like alright and so he had this <laughs> microphone that recorded like this or something yeah. and we just sort of sat and he talked about science and I sort of joked around and then you know a little bit after that they had me come into the studio and then a little bit after that, I was like, let's try to do it live. And so it began, you know, it began because I have a weekly show that um, mm -hmm. that the producer came to. And mm -hmm. sort of a lot of things yeah. happen. Yeah. I mean, I think that I always, yeah, my thought was always do as much as you can. In that. Yeah, that, that, and one more testament to keep doing the shit. Yeah, you like love. I would, you wouldn't, yeah, yeah, you do a thing you enjoy and then, yeah. you know, well, I guess I would think of it as like you do 15 things you enjoy and then yeah. one or two of them will pan yeah. out. Yeah, I'm cracking up because I, I, I think 
I've edited it out in like four episodes of, of conversations I've had with people, and it's in at least one where I have an, uh, a one-sided argument with you about the ten years, yeah, thing that we've we've talked about many times. I uh, yeah, I mean it's hard because from my point of view, let's preface it. Yeah, what am I talking about? Go ahead. Oh, uh, before Malcolm Gladwell. No. Yes, uh, before yeah, right? yeah, yeah. This I mean is, it's yeah. it's all it's like kiddingly true. Uh, yeah, I often insist that if you focus on stuff for about ten years, yeah. that you'll succeed, uh, largely yeah. succeed. And and again, even when I say it in terms of myself, like you know, maybe it'd be a writing job, maybe it'd be some humor column for a thing, maybe it'd be stand up, maybe it'd be acting. Like I never had the idea that it'd be exactly something. I just thought yeah. it would be vaguely yeah. working in comedy. Yeah, and it's unfair because I've tried to call you on it specifically like I know when I was in San Francisco trying to do stand up for a year I saw people who'd been at it for a decade and they still were totally baristas and, and still were bad and and and, <laughs> and uh, yes and then Matt and I uh, uh, one of my best friends Matt um, would often talk about have the same debate of you know whether like it was enough to to, to, to like work hard and have this goal mm-hmm. you know and it's and I think I would always argue that it sort of was but there's a certain element of fortune but but then on the other hand like throughout your life you'll meet a hundred people yeah. that you might work with and so it's like sure it's fortune but the more you do the higher yeah. your chances are also with stand up it's one of the only things that like if you get on stage and make people laugh like I don't know anyone who can get on stage make people laugh for an hour and isn't a successful comic uh-huh you know so sure. it's like so it's like it's a slightly different art form but like that, I know people who can sing well and can't right. succeed right but, but that's different if you can make people laugh for an hour a there are people who could spend a decade working hard and not make people laugh for an hour that's different and yes that's okay. true but, but, it's but the reason not that, that I feel I feel the more I've I've talked to people about this without you in the room, yeah. the more I feel that I'm being silly and that your point is almost if you love something, what don't just talk about loving it. Spend ten years doing it as hard as you can. Yeah. And then you can come back to me and say, but I still suck. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, it is slightly self-selective. Though I will say that virtually everyone like that I started with in Boston who then moved to pursue it, like yeah. not every not necessarily if you stayed, but everyone I knew who moved and 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 many of the people who stayed, but like everyone who moved like became yeah. a professional comedian and, of yeah. some version or a writer or or a writer, or, yeah, either they write for <coughs> a TV show or they have their own show or mm-hmm. they're successful stand-up or you know basically everyone and maybe it was the the group of people I knew or whatever it was but but everyone who kind of pursued it strongly enough to leave and go to the place where the industry is you know like if you want to yeah I'm sure that every town has its industry or that industries have their town yeah so if you go to the New York or LA and maybe, you know, things have changed now. Maybe you don't have to do that as much. But at the time that I moved, that was definitely mm-hmm. what you needed to do. And then most of those people did. Going back to the either, you know, I, I did the voice artist who's invisible versus yeah, yeah. public figure. Mm-hmm. 
it sounds to me like if you knew you'd be secure for the rest of your life just doing voice work, yeah, you're acting, you'd still want to go on stage and do stand-up. Well, that's because I enjoy stand-up. Yeah, that's what I'm but, saying. You just enjoy, yeah. But um, I think the question is, like, say I could be successful doing whatever <laughs> and, like, like, meaning, like, have a home and, like, everything was stable. Mm-hmm. You know, then I would probably be like, oh, I'd, I'd be fine with being, like, either a little more famous or not. Like, mm-hmm. meaning there's a certain amount of, like, s- like, success from fame. Like, meaning if I was on some hit TV... Well, I guess I am on a popular TV show, but if I was on, like, a super hit TV show that, like, meant, like, a thousand people or mm-hmm. two thousand people would come every time that I performed... That weren't animated. That yeah, wasn't yeah, animated. that where you could recognize yeah. me. Yeah. Well, the, the, the Although you're pretty done. Were... You look no, a no, lot like Gene. I do, but yeah. meaning... And also a lot of the a lot of people know the voice like the actors behind the voices of mm-hmm. Bob's maybe because we're all yeah. comics or whatever it is. Um, so yeah, there's a degree to which I think like I would be fine with like s- some degree of more fame, but but partially in like in terms of it being practical. Yeah, like uh, like it would be helpful in mm-hmm. certain ways, but. But yeah, if I thought I was stable, yeah, I would be fine with not. It occurred to me as we were just talking that if there's anyone who kind of epitomizes the invisible superstar, your friend John Benjamin is the star of all these shows and is much more invisible than you are on a on the street. I think. No, really, quite oh a people God, know what he no. looks like. Well, he had a show called John Benjamin as a Van. As someone who's been out with John a lot, yeah, people recognize him really? a great deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, again, that's just my... It, it's the world of little... Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, you both know what he looks like and know him from a bunch of shows. No, he's he's very, very recognized. He doesn't look like Archer. No. No. But he doesn't look no. like Bob either. No. Looks doesn't look at all like Bob. Looks like an older Ben. No. But you look like Gene. I do look like Gene, but I'm the one that was drawn to look like... Were you the only one? I think so, based on what I look like and what the character yeah. looks like. Um, but yeah, no, he's he's not invi- he's not invisible. To his like mild chagrin. I this has nothing to do with my podcast, but I, I I've never met because I've never been in any situation with you. The the guy who plays Tina, but I've seen his Dan. his stuff he did before. That is, no, not Tina. Um, John uh, Roberts. No, who plays? Yes. Who Linda. plays Linda? Yes. And I've seen his character, yeah, yeah, his the YouTube Christmas tree, oh my and god, all and the and yeah. the, the the swimming pool and her and yep. the hair. Did that come from? Did, yeah, did she Linda come from that character? Well, Linda came from his mom, and yeah, and and, and Lauren had seen. I think uh, had seen those the, that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think it was sent that stuff. That stuff um, was really fun, and yeah, and I think from that was like, yeah, that would be a great mom. And he is. He's an excellent mom. <laughs> he He's is. my mom. He's your mom! My TV mom. Yeah, your TV mom. Does anything I've been talking about bring up... It's taken this long for me. It, it's weird, because we're friends, but we're also... You're my wife's... Your wife and my wife were best friends, so yeah. we've always been friends through them. Yeah. And because in my life... I've never had any issue with knowing people, and this is 
few drinks in time. I don't care if people have make a lot or have a lot more money than I am or some kind of power, be it political or they run. But fame is, I started doing this because it's it's been an issue for me in my life. Mm-hmm. But I, the more I do this and the more I think about it, the more I think, well, I've slacked off for much of 30 years. Mm-hmm. I haven't spent my 10 years, but I've spent a year to three at a whole bunch of different things. So part yeah. of me feels like, damn it. I should have my turn, but I also... I, you got to really spend the 10 on a thing specifically. I know, but my point is that it's taken this hour for me to get to the point where I'm like, yeah, Eugene, this is our... I'll, I'll be better friends with you. You might have been equally comfortable with me before after this conversation. Because it's it's like a, a thing in the room with people who are more publicly successful than I am. That it, It's a barrier in my life. Oh, that's funny. And that's I one really, of the reasons I'm really, doing this. But also what's so funny is it never occurred to me to... It makes me want to come up to people and go like, Hi, uh, I'm more publicly successful. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, it's stupid. I grant you. No, no, it's just such a... Fu- well, it's, it's, it's a really funny way to conceive of a thing. Publicly um, successful. Yeah. Hi, Eugene, I'm publicly successful. Uh, within reason. Not even that publicly successful. Um... Sorry, I forget the question. I don't I know. I just excited I just by wanted the phrase, to share. Successful. Yes. It was an emotional moment yeah, yeah. for me. It was it was a it was what I what I like to avoid and that I'm so built for. Mm-hmm. It was it was it was one of my Marin moments that I I both understand why he succeeds so much as an interviewer because of them and that he and I are alike in that way where we could overshare. Mm-hmm. But I'm trying to avoid it in this. No, no. It, I mean, yeah. I think it's fine. Yeah, I think. Yeah. See now I'm doing even more like he does, and saying, "Is it okay? Was oh, this? Yeah, was yeah. it okay?" <laughs> oh, it's totally fine. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess I. It's it's funny because it's because it's such a specific moderate fame. Like it's a fame where sometimes people say to me, "Are you famous?" Mm-hmm. Because somebody else knows a thing I did, and 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 I, I actually I think I just said it with a tone that's like nicer and like gentler. They mm-hmm. just mean like. Why is that guy talking to you? Like, why is everyone excited or something? And I'm yeah. like, uh, I don't know. Like, I'm on a cartoon. Yeah. And they're like, I never heard of it. And I'm like, yeah. you don't have to have heard of it. Like, I, yeah. I'm not the one d- doing. Like, people will sometimes approach you like angry that uh, that their friend knows who you are. Yeah. They yeah. don't, yeah. and you're like, yeah, no, I. That's that's fine. Um, yeah. So it's sort of it's so <laughs> funny because it's like to some people it's very exciting, and then largely it's sort of totally neutral um that reminds me of my Wayne Coyne story uh one night I was must be 15 years ago I was at a uh what was the night cafe I don't know if it's still on the upper west side mm-hmm. and I was there with my friend Lodge and you know, I was I was in San Francisco so I was back visiting and we were just drinking in this bar and this guy this little very New York guy comes over like a little stocky guy he says hey man are you Wayne Coyne? Because my friend fucking loves Flaming Lips. And if you're Wayne Coyne and he's too shy to come up, I'm like, no, man, I'm not. And the guy, he's, you can see the wheels are spinning in his head. And he says, can we just pretend you're Wayne Coyne? <laughs> and I'm not, a, I'm not a practical joker. I'm not a prankster. And I said, no, nah, and he's gone. And he comes back with like a six foot four Native American guy. With a ponytail, and, and 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 he's introducing me as Wayne Coyne, 
I just quickly said I'm not Wayne Coyne, and it was nice, but it was it was really funny for a second. Wow. My hair was bigger than like I you know you can you, see how I might yeah yeah I can totally see how you yeah. look like Wayne Coyne. Uh, about a year ago, I uh, I went to this music festival in Mexico in uh, the Baja Peninsula uh, that Peter Buck, the guitarist of REM, puts on. And uh, it's, it's in this very lovely small town. And the festival literally takes place at a place called uh, The Hotel California. Where I imagine if you work, it must be unbearable because people, whenever they arrive, must be like, so I can check out any time I like? And then the staff has to be like, no, it's at noon. I'd never been to Mexico, but it was really wonderful. And the first thing I did when I got there is I went to this concert on a beach, this very small concert, and it was at night, and, uh, and I just ate a wasp. And not like I was like trying to fit in where I was like, I should be eating wasps. Like, ever, like uh, it was in a taco, it was hiding in a taco that was being served, not like a sand taco that I was like, oh, I should eat whatever I find. Who knows when the next meal will be? I bit a taco, and I was like, this taco really hurts. <laughs> I didn't know, and I started looking in the taco. Like, I don't know what I thought I would find in the taco. I was like, I wonder why this taco is so painful. Because <laughs> looking at it, I'd be like, what are you doing in my taco, tiny Nicolas Cage? Shouldn't you be making weird career decisions? <laughs> and I finally looked through it, I found a, a wasp. And then I was uh, weirdly relieved, where I was like, oh, thank God a wasp stung my face. <laughs> I don't have to panic. The thing that happened that was kind of crazy was the last night of the festival, uh, everybody went around the corner uh, after the show to Peter Buck's house. And I found myself at three in the morning walking back to my hotel with Michael Stipe. And, and we were just, you know, we were sharing recipes and uh, just telling stories of Krav Maga victories. <laughs> So we're walking back, and about 50 feet from the entrance to our hotel, uh, in pitch black night from an alleyway, an SUV screeches out, and two Mexican policemen jump out and start screaming at me and Michael Stipe in Spanish. I don't speak any Spanish. They spoke excellent Spanish. They're pointing at us and then pointing at their tinted windowed SUV and screaming. And we're both patiently terrified. And we kind of like signal to each other, let's keep going to the hotel. We've probably done nothing. And uh, they take Michael Stipe's arm and they put it behind his back like he's a criminal. Not like he wrote Everybody Hurts, but like a criminal. <laughs> and they put his hands on the SUV and they start emptying his pockets. At which point, I'm like staring at my phone being like, oh, I wonder who I should call for help. I'd call the police, but they're already helping. Maybe I should call John Hodgman. He would know what to do. And uh, finally, they're, they're emptying his pockets, and they put my hands on the SUV, and they start emptying my pockets. And this is where I really regret not putting, uh, just not having, like, brie in my pockets. And not even in cellophane, just a ton of brie where they just put their hands in my pockets and pull them out and they're all wet and sticky. And I'm just like, you fuck with the wrong American! You fuck with the cheese man! <laughs> they're like, yeah. They found a 
a pill of Imodium AD that I was bringing to a friend, and they start like, and they're yelling in Spanish. They start shaking it in front of me, like they'd uncovered like a plot to kill the president in this pill, and they're shaking this pill, and uh, and I just terrified go, it's to stop you from shitting. <laughs> And then they confiscated it like they were like, ooh, great, maybe before bed. Uh, no more sleep shits for this officer. And at this point, Michael Stipe has his phone and he manages to text help to uh, Peter Buck's wife. But it autocorrects to, hello! Hi! Thought you were going to sleep, but I guess you want to send one-word messages back and forth. <laughs> Finally, they let us put everything back in our pockets. And then weirdly, like, once we have everything, they, like, start speaking English, but it's kind of oddly friendly, where they're just like, all right, well, have a cool stay, and uh, check out Game of Thrones, pretty good series. Like, that kind of, like, 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 like uh, odd. And then they jump in the SUV, and then they screech off just like normal policemen would. And we are very relieved, and we start walking back to the hotel, and I look in my wallet, and I realize that they stole a thousand pesos, about a hundred dollars. And I was like, oh my god, that was just a super polite, no punches-based mugging. Uh, And so the next morning, I, I, I called my girlfriend, and I was like, so last night, at three in the morning, I was mugged uh, by the Mexican police with Michael Stipe. And they stole about a hundred dollars. And she just kind of pauses and goes, that story sounds like it's worth about a hundred dollars. Fair enough. As we've been talking, Mm -hmm. does this make you think of anything about this friggin' topic of mine? Uh, I don't know. I think it's... Like, my life now is more like I have to, like, wake up and, like, mm-hmm. take care of a baby and, yeah. like, all this stuff. So, like... How many weeks old? Uh, two and a half. Jesus Christ. So, it's sort of... So, so like, some yeah. of it is, like, I think about some of these things and yeah. some of them affect my life, you know, and also are convenient. Like, I definitely think, like, fame is you know, moderately convenient at times and, you know, for yeah. me, largely, because, yeah. you know, I'm not, no, no nobody's taking pictures or, you know, yeah. writing weird stuff. Yeah. Um, so, so I think, but then, like, my day-to-day life is like, okay, here's, like, what I have to do in practical terms yeah. and, like, so, so, I don't know, it, like, it, I mean, it's almost yeah. like, oh, this is, like, fun to yeah. think about. Because I have to like wake up and like make yeah. sure like a yeah a baby is a, yeah. is like but it's not together. unpleasant to think about no not at all yeah. and, no That's no no good. it's totally yeah no I think it's a very interesting topic because I God I have a friend who's 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 like a professor of cognitive science and philosophy and I think that I I'm not a hundred percent sure but I think at some point he had said that he thought that a lot of like. A lot of problems people talk about that the solution to them would be fame, which is like a really interesting. Like, How so? I don't know. I think I think it ranged from you know parents like wanting their child to be successful to uh-huh. 
you know, random inconveniences that happened in everyone's life that he was like, oh, like the thing that would solve all of these radically different problems was, I think, and I don't know if there was like a range where like too much fame would like create new problems, but so I think it was like some degree of moderate fame would solve some amount of, of issues, which I always thought was kind of really yeah. interesting but might well create others but I think that it would be like at a certain level it would create problems yeah. like you know I've definitely been with people where like oh you have to like you like you have to like leave a place because right. it's like or like people are like literally tweeting or texting friends about yeah. your location yeah. like I've definitely been or <laughs> Are just drunk and have like a, they're like we have to do this and or like yeah we had a drunken moment after you left the night before your wedding with these guys who were just like that's the guy I can't think of who's the black guy from the Daily Show like they were literally like they didn't even know who Wyatt really was but they recognized his face and they were so excited and they were like coming up to me yeah, yeah. like I was somebody like you know that guy I'm like yeah. I mean, right, no, right. I don't actually. I don't, but I know his friend. <laughs> but yeah. if you want to go, just go do your thing. Right. And that so, became a little awkward. Yeah. Right. And so I've definitely been with people where, like, you have to leave or, like, it's too overwhelming mm-hmm. or people have. There's an ownership of, of, of celebrity mm-hmm. that I think is really odd. I mean, I, 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 yeah, I don't know. Or there's, like, a level of, like, I don't know, you should appreciate this. I think there's, like... I definitely appreciate that people like my work, and I definitely appreciate a certain level of stuff, but I don't believe, like, someone would be, like, allowed to, like, drag me around a town for four hours mm-hmm. meeting people. Like, I don't know. I don't know where, like, the mm-hmm. the line would be. So I definitely know know people who I see get overwhelmed by a level of sort of unusual intrusiveness that nobody would normally do except for they weirdly think is appropriate, I guess, if you're... That they're entitled. Yeah, because they're like, well, I, I think there's this idea of, like, I gave you your career or something. I don't yeah. really know. Yeah. It, it might be. I mean, again, this is not yeah. that common. Yeah. But I've certainly seen it where I think, like, oh, like, thank God that isn't me. Like, that seems completely overwhelming. There's a right. reason that people have, like, handlers and, like, you know, sort of people between you and other people and it's because sometimes it can be completely overwhelming but with that said like that for me is like a very negligible like i think yeah. like once when like i forget if you were there but me and katie and might have been me and you on you like we were in like at a bar in amherst and like we had to leave like the main bar because somebody mm-hmm. there was like a guy who kind of recognized me and then he kept bringing people over and they were all drunk right. out of their minds but all we did is go downstairs right like it wasn't I, like we yeah. you know like so that was like a time where i was like oh this is like crazy right. like you're right. like i don't even know if he knew my name he just kept bringing more and more people over and then everybody right, because you're a guy I kind of recognize who's here and then like making in ABC. you and then sometimes people will go like why are, like how do I know you and I'm like I, I'm not the one who's like I didn't go like you yeah. have to guess who I am yeah. like I wasn't walking around a bar <laughs> going guess, guess who, who I, I am. am like so it was <laughs> sort of that was like that was sort of one of the more extreme yeah. things where it was like okay well that it, like we gotta I can't yeah. 
like this is overwhelming. No. Um, but normally it's actually like it's yeah. really people being so sweet. I kind of feel like you're in a. You talked about the accepting twenty to fifty percent more. Yeah, I feel like you're in a place where if I could plateau here, I used to to say to people, I'd like to be David Sedaris sixteen years ago famous. You can Pretty go on famous. Letterman now and then, yeah. but you're still kind of invisible, and you get to write all the books you want. And if yeah. you if you call up the thing that I am talking about is, I'm always talking about is David Sedaris could say. Dear David Bowie, I really like your work. Can we have a chat sometime? And you'll get a response. I mean, David Bowie is dead, but yes. 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 No, just yeah. David <laughs> couldn't write him now, but but so, I feel like you've re- clear example. You're at that, Still very that clear. Very nice place. Yes. Um, I mean, I'm not that like I couldn't write someone like I mean I would like I couldn't write Don Henley and go like Don Henley. Let's meet up. Terrible. Example Don, of not that I didn't David know. Bowie. I've never heard you play any Don Henley. No, I just I was just trying to think of someone equally famous, but not. Yeah, yeah. But not, you're uh, trying to walk it back. Equally but, famous. But, oh my god, people are gonna be furious yeah. now. They'll be like, "There's uh, one thing that was egregious." Boys of Summer. Sure. Yeah. I'm trying. Uh, I should have said Mark Knopfler. Um, sure. I have. It's funny. There's one person who automatically in the music category mm-hmm. is is there, and he's. It's it's one of those like in the conversation with Hardy when he said, "Do you have any business with the fella? If not, then why are you going to go talk to him?" But because he was such a formative figure, I always think, "Oh, Elvis Costello, we'd have so much to talk about." Right. And he'd be like, "You're not no no." I mean, thank you. I'm glad you liked my work and it was important. Yeah. And and so it's important. That's a good example. I do not think I could write Elvis Costello and have him be like, okay, when I'm in New York. <laughs> Maybe even like when I'm in Massachusetts. Yeah. He might. I mean, he doesn't no, no, know no, no, your no. work, probably. Right, right. Yeah. That's, yeah, I don't mean... He might be a Bob's fan. You, you never know. And there, yeah, there, there totally yeah. are. Yes, I don't mean he would be like, absolutely not. I think it's just yeah. like a weird... Yeah. Like, dear Elvis Costello, I'm on a cartoon <laughs> and I have always liked your music. Like, I think that he'd be like, all right, that sounds fine. Yes. I think you probably, it's probably something that happens yeah. through, like, now. like Yeah, you met Robin through... Friends. I mean, stuff. everyone I've met and know is largely through friends. Yeah. I haven't, like, ever reached out in yeah. some, like, formal letter. Yeah. Dear I, Bill Clinton. But I think, yeah, the thing about... Again, Don Henley and Bill Clinton are the two examples that you brought up. Great. Um, I also brought up Mark Knopfler. You know what it is? It's that Lou Reed is dead. He would have been my example. He would have been the person that I would have, like... I really guess, wanted to... Well, that's like a superstar. That's like a star... Yeah. Where, like, you... like Yeah, we're, like, across, yeah. like, generations and... Yeah. Uh, that I would have been, like... Uh, the, the, whose music I love that yeah. I would have loved to meet. Yeah. Um, I saw him on the street once. Uh, coming out of side of yeah. a building, like, I don't know, a year or two before he died, and I, like, at yeah. the time, was like, I'll, I won't say anything to Lou Reed. He seems like he you probably know, it, doesn't need it, my, me. Yeah. But it, now I'm like, oh, I maybe should have said, like, mm. I like your stuff. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Because you would have, he would, it would have felt, you would have felt like you said it. I definitely would have felt he like He wouldn't have it. been like, I oh, I never, this guy said, but it would have meant something to you to say it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yes, I didn't say anything to him. Mine are are really obs- they're performance art people back when I I did take performance very seriously. Right. 
and I monologue stuff, and I kind of semi, semi, I didn't stalk, but I went out of my way to run into Spalding Gray a few times. I mm-hmm. uh, had a book signing, and then little serendipitous ways I was connected to him. Uh, I had a, I sat behind him and his family on an airplane, yes. <laughs> right behind them, and eavesdropped on them all, all the whole trip. And one of the children dropped a piece of paper that said, it was so great. And I somewhere, and I haven't been able to find it for years, it said, like, had everybody's name, like, Mommy, blah, 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 Spalding, instead of Dad. It even, <laughs> and after that trip, I was flying into New York to do a month of my performance show. And I told him about it. And I had a friend in San Francisco who knew his wife. And one night they even had reservations. But they didn't come. And that was the end of that. But but of Laurie Anderson mm-hmm. would be a big person to right. for me to for to, to. Well, that's still something. But that it's happen. not about meeting her. It's about her saying, "Hey, what you're doing is valid." Her validation, right, would mean something, and that's just silly because your work has to be its own validation to an extent. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with it with wanting it to be appreciated or wanting it to be appreciated by specific mm-hmm. people. Um, but yeah, I think that like for me overall, it's just the idea that you have a career. Yeah, like that was like my standard always, and my goal was always like I am yeah. a, a person who is working in this right. field. Which may be a reason why you progressed and worked steadily and weren't. It wasn't about. It was about making the work first and foremost. Is my point, and then wanting people right. Well, sort of. I mean, meaning, but like at a level of it being like putting out records or making a special mm-hmm. like not like like meaning I definitely remember when I was doing comedy in Boston and doing like stuff that was like working like would kill sometimes or would be weird sometimes mm-hmm. and then at some point realizing like it's very very important for me to figure out how to make the thing that I think is funny and weird funny to an audience like it was like like the the idea that like I was just making this thing and if people get it they get it like no, absolutely not like it's right. I mean not to say that you can make everybody laugh at everything mm-hmm. but that it was super important that if if you that if you could convey the thing you're trying to convey to convey it yeah so that I, was yeah I, yeah what I was saying I guess didn't contradict that it's just that you you seem to have a healthy ego detachment from. The success of your work is an audience appreciating this thing yeah, you're yeah. trying to make yes. for an audience. Yes, yes. You know, yes. and not this audience or or how big an audience or yes. whether you know. And I feel like a lot of people get shut down and stifled by those. Yeah, though a lot of people also are driven to mass success by it. So it just depends. It's a good point. Yeah, like a lot of people have like a super drive that makes them you know better and better mm-hmm. and better. You, you know, but right. the truth is, it's all sort of ongoing. Like at some point, you know, I might be like, "Oh, this is really what I want to focus on now," or "This is what mm-hmm. I want to do." So I don't know. Are you up for one more drink? We can just stop talking or just we, leave this on and see what happens. Yeah, sure. We yeah. could do more. I, yeah. yeah, I'm happy to yeah. do that if you want. Yeah, let's, let's yeah. sure. Why not? Yeah. Like no, I'm making sense still. Oh yeah, and I'm saying what I want to. Say. I feel like you seem the way you seem all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we've had only like a few drinks over a period of many hours. Yeah. 
I'm trying, you and I have stayed really on topic uh, because there isn't really another topic besides comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's true. I've occasionally said, like, and here's the thing about comedy. Yeah, then that's good. Really, I like yeah, that. Yeah. But uh, a couple weeks ago, I talked to Andy Zeisler, who's the founder of Bitch Magazine. Mm-hmm. And I've been thinking a lot about feminism and gender and stuff on my own. And so she's wrote a book, and everything she does is about pop culture and feminism and celebrity and feminism. But about five minutes in, fame disappeared because. It's clearly not. She's a mission-driven person, not a fame-driven person. She's right. been writing and doing stuff for for decades, and so we just talked about feminism. And you know, what I'm also feeling that's so fun about this medium is that eh, people don't like it. That episode, they don't have to keep listening. I know, and I will be fine, and <laughs> they will be fine. I have no sponsors. I'm right now. I'm very, very free. Yeah, yeah. So I uh, so, but uh. I like that. I really like this altogether. Mm-hmm. It also is something like, when have you and I ever talked for an hour? I've been calling up friends I haven't seen in 20 years. Right. And we have an I hour, feel like hour and a half. We, we've been out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we've been out. Uh, yeah. Way out. Or like stayed up. and More whatever. than most people you and I have stayed up than the, that I know. Even closer friends. Yeah. I just don't do this. Well, and so it's been yeah. really great. Yeah. Especially with old friends. Right, because you've been calling up people. Yeah, I've recorded people who I haven't, you know, who I've been on Facebook with, or we always say we should talk, and it forces me because in everything else I do, I'm looking at my phone or I'm I'm multitasking, and in this, if I do it, I you're focused. Yeah, and if I stop, I mean, I've looked at the computer to look shit up we're talking about, but if I once because at home I have uh, two monitors because I'm looking at the, the, the the editing software and. And my notes and stuff. And once I, I, you know, something popped up on Facebook. And I I realized, like, and I stopped paying attention. (laughs) And like, oh, yeah, this is a show I'm trying to do. And so as a very ADD person, it's it's great to force me to have a conversation with people (laughs) one-on-one. Yeah, you love to stay up and talk to people about shit. I do, though. It's true that I do it much less and less. I also, I mean... In, uh, yeah, I mean, yes, this will be, I mean, by far the latest I've stayed up while in the last, whatever. You're welcome. Yes. No, it's great. (laughs) I mean, you you gotta do it sometimes. Yeah. Would you ever want to be running a show of your own that you're not in? Um, maybe. I think it might be a lot of work. So they say. Um, I guess it just depends. And I think it depends also at what stage in life. So I think like right now offhand, probably not. Yeah. It's a sort of gigantic role in terms of just like what you're coordinating. Like from what I've seen, it's incredibly overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're like, you're running a thing on a pretty big scale. I think Mitch Hedberg had some joke. I, I can't remember what it was, but it was like about sort of like, oh, you do this thing. Like, we'd like you to do this sort of similar, but actually totally different thing. <laughs> so it's sort of like, I know enough to, I think, not be wrong about what a showrunner does, but like, I've never done it and I'm not, and I'm yeah. like on a different side of it all. Yeah. But yeah, like, what I, I don't think I, I, so offhand, no, I don't particularly want to showrun anything that I'm, that isn't like my show. 
And even if it's my show, I'd really try strongly to avoid being the showrunner. Because I would want... I would other... never want that. Yeah. Role. I mean, I'd want to have, like, have like massive input and have like creative input, but I don't think that there's like... I don't have a desire to coordinate <coughs> that, that element of it. I like coordinating some things. I mean, I, I also, you talked about running the writing room, which made me think that something that's much more conceivable and makes more sense for who you are and what you do. Have you ever been considered to be or wanted to be considered to be on, not anymore it seems, but like to write for a late night? I... Be in the room. When I was in... Yeah. When... When I first moved to New York, I would definitely, like, submit to write on Conan and stuff like that, and, um, you know, it's funny, it, it, like, in, it never, it never quite happened, and then in the end, actually, it sort of was great that I never, one of my first breaks was getting hired for some, like, you know, I must have been in New York for about a year, and it was getting hired for some, I can't remember what it was, some show on VH1. Or MTV, I can't remember. I think it was VH1. Like, a writer on some show. And literally the day after... I, like, I was I was pretty broke. And I, like, got hired. And I went... And it was, like, the building was in Times Square. And I went to, like, some sushi place there. And I was like, I'm gonna, like, spend, like, $36 on sushi. It was, like, an unimaginable amount of money. <laughs> and... And, uh, like, to celebrate, like, oh, my God, I got this. Like, I finally, like, I'm making headway. And the day after, this is how I could find out when this happened. The day, the next day, uh, there was a huge overhaul and everybody was fired and the show went away and everything went away. And that was also like a really great lesson of like, don't buy $36 of sushi. Yeah. I remember all the times that people who were, who I was very excited to meet or have a meal with, like that that happened. Right. But they might not remember and that's okay. Oh yeah, that's it's 100% the problem. That okay. people don't think it's okay. They're wrong. It's Remember super that okay. time when I when I shook your hand? Yeah. One of my least favorite greetings is "You don't remember me, do you?" So funny because I don't I don't know. It's so odd because like I like certainly met lots of people a second time who don't remember me, and I yeah think it's super not weird. Yeah. So I don't know. But I recorded I, I recorded my friend who's a, a director and documentary director Penny Lane. Mm-hmm. Her name is Penny Lane. She says, I have it very good. Because if someone says they don't remember me, they're lying. Because my name is Penny Lane. It's her given name. Yeah. So either they're lying or they're insane. So she can immediately sort out. And she never has to. But she has the burden of people coming up to her much more and saying, you don't remember me. Right, right. And it's like, well, I remember you big. Yeah, my yeah, Penny Lane. Well, also, like, I remember things, like, meaning, like, I remember going to mm-hmm. a party in or near Turner's with you yeah. around the time that I had gone right. there that, like, I feel like Rendezvous was maybe open yeah. or had just opened, like, or, yeah. like, if I had met somebody when, like, we did the Thrive Project yeah. thing, like, if somebody was like, I met you at that thing, yeah. I'd be like, okay, I remember the thing and I yeah. have a sense of what you mean. Yeah. It's just more like... And you just say, oh, great. It's good to meet you again. Yes. But also, if that was like... If my complaint about fame was like, sometimes people... Yeah. Then it's like, oh, that sounds fine. Yeah. You know. 
All right, I have to go to sleep because yeah, I might have too. to wake up in a few hours and keep okay. texting. Um, Thanks, Eugene. Thank you, Jamie. That was really fun. It was really fun. All right, good night. Good night. Bye-bye. Alexa, Christmas lights off. That's going in there. Thanks one more time to Eugene for coming on the show and for being so supportive of me in this. I plan to be at it for at least the next 10 years. Tune in in the next few weeks for graphic novelist Jessica Abel, NPR superstar Tina Antolini, and in a few months, but I'm so excited, I'm going to tell you about it right now, writer George Saunders, and so much more. Find us wherever podcasts are found or at 15minutesjamieberger.com. That's 15minutes, J-A-M-I-E-B-E-R-G-E-R.com. Or look for us on Facebook or on Twitter or Instagram at 15minsjamieb, 15minsjamieb. Thank you so much for listening. This is 15 Minutes. I'm Jamie Berger.